Morning, guys. Let's go around like, you know, if you've been Zooming uh, and meeting with us online, you've just witnessed some of the struggles we've had. I mean, men's roundtable works better when we're in a room together and we don't have to rely on that. But Jeff Cook has done a phenomenal job. Amen. With his assistant, Jeff, and with our trusty Chris, who has kept us up with handouts. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Ben, since the microphone wasn't on, I'd like to introduce you to the people uh, catching the recording and know who you are. And Ben, get it right this time, will you? Yeah. Let me get this speech again. So here we are at Men's Round so, uh, for the guys who are just walking in who uh, uh, care so little about your self-awareness, if you're late today. Um, <laughs> Good, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. I've been trying to say that for 13 years. <laughs> yeah, we're just proud to have, uh, proud to have you at a, a church that's actually uh, open and receptive and believes in the men's movement and that God is after the hearts of men and that that can actually happen through the efforts of the church. And not on a Sunday morning. Believe it or not, church mm. happens in other places. Amen. So it's grateful to have you guys. And we want to be good hosts. Mm. So if you notice something you don't like uh, or you need something you don't have, just let us know. All right. Thank you, Ben. Guys, we are excited about being back here. I walked in this morning and uh, saw my friend Ronnie. Hadn't seen him at Roundtable because uh, he was, I guess, maybe not at Roundtable when we were meeting at Ceasefire. But you found your way here this morning, and I am thrilled that you did, Ronnie. Thrilled that you did. Guys, help us spread the word a little bit. You've been here this morning. Understand what this is like. See what we can social distance. I'm glad you're back in the room with us. Let me open this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for my brother Phil. I thank you for Jeff and Jeff and Chris. Thank you for Ben and his church for allowing us to gather here. Lord, it has been too long, mm -hmm. almost a full year since we were able to gather. Mm -hmm. It's not good for men to be alone. Mm -hmm. Thank you for allowing us to have this opportunity to meet, providing it for us. Mm -hmm. In your precious name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Gentlemen, I want you to rise. On your feet, I have a song for you as we get started this morning, and I'd like for you to do fist pumps during this song and greet everybody. Hit it, Jeff. All right, here we go. We're going back to the 70s. Back to the 70s. And I'm saying all this no, this, the three dog night. Celebrate. Yeah, but I want the chorus, just the chorus, just celebrate. There we go, guys. Let's go. Uh, it is good. Uh, to be with my brothers uh, this morning. And again, I, I thank Ben and uh, all of our friends at Vertical Church uh, for allowing us uh, to be here. And man, uh, I'm energized, you know. Um, I've done drugs in my day. This is much better, much better. <laughs> we won't get into that. I won't, I won't get into my story there. Um, 
But guys, I hope you have a handout. Uh, there's uh, plenty. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand, and Tony back there will get you a handout. So over here, Tony up front, right up here. Um, I'm going to offer you a song um, this morning, and um, this is an instrumental song, and we've got the video, right? Um, okay. Um, and uh, the video is powerful. Um, I don't know that I've ever played an instrumental uh, song uh, because I, I usually love uh, the words uh, that are meaningful, but the, the picture here is meaningful. We're, we're doing this um, series on Joshua, Take the Land, Be the Man. It, it is about being courageous. And certainly those of you who have served in, in the military are examples to all of us, and we are grateful for your service and for the service of family members and friends uh, that allow us to be here and to live in a country uh, to where we are free. And during this video, um, I would like for you to make this a time of worship. Three-minute video. It's a song by Michael W. Smith called Freedom, and it's instrumental. But I hope that the uh, pictorial uh, piece of this will move you toward um, worship. Anytime that God has his people gathered and they are preparing for battle or celebrating victory, uh, we do that uh, with worship, um, valuing uh, the God who gives us the gift uh, of our freedom. So I would invite you uh, to be thankful for us just being here, thankful for the life um, that we have, uh, and may it open your heart to what God has for us even this morning. Let's worship God.
Amen. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I am going to try my best not, not to break down in tears. This is so cool. So cool. So, so, so glad to see your faces. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Guys, we'll uh, continue in our uh, series, uh, Joshua, Take the Land, Be the Man. So uh, pick up your notes, uh, read the introductory paragraph with me. Joshua, take the land, be the man. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. We will examine 10 issues that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous. Will you? Now, before we dig into our study, I, I want to, um, to once again reference uh, our logo. Jeff, can you just put the um, logo up there? Again, this is a, um, a, a painting by Benjamin West that we started with. Um, and it's just good to, uh, to be together and kind of look at this for a minute. Again, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? And this is a, uh, the painting by Benjamin West that um, uh, documents, uh, if you will, uh, details the crossing of the Jordan River. And what I want you to notice about this, again, is that the people of Israel were behind the Ark of the Covenant, uh, uh, where God's presence was, the cloud hovers over the Ark. And as I've mentioned to you before, the one detail about this painting that is erroneous is that the ark was always covered. But in Benjamin West's rendering of it, he uncovered it, but it always was covered. And so the people never moved out until the ark was lifted and led. Um, and when they crossed the Jordan River, and again, you can see the water uh, here in the foreground um, of the painting, uh, the Jordan River parted just like it had in the Red Sea. And as I've said to you before, in old, the Old Testament, the Red Sea was the resurrection, uh, that the people referred to the Red Sea in the same way that you and I anchor our faith in the resurrection. And it was that event that solidified God's presence and His power uh, with them. And so once again, uh, for Joshua taking over leadership from Moses, God, uh, God parted the Jordan River, and it was kind of a stamp of approval on jo uh, uh, Joshua's life, that as I was with Moses, I am with Joshua. Follow him. And when they crossed the Jordan River, they uh, built an altar of 12 stones, and you can see it right here at the bottom in, in the very foreground, um, the, the stones. And what's amazing about those stones, 12 stones, 12 tribes of Israel, that's easy enough. But what's amazing is that the whole Torah, the first five books of the Bible that Moses had been writing, was engraved on those stones. Now, dude, I had a hard time writing a paper in college, you know? I mean, to carve the whole Torah out on 12 stones. Now, those were big stones, I assure you. 
an amazing feat. But once again, just to solidify uh, through symbolism, God's presence in their life, crossing the Jordan River into the promised land. So this morning, as we continue, um, we're looking at focus. What is your focus? A call to action. So I want you to pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Let's do some journaling. Engage. Do not be passive listeners. Uh, be active. That's why we start out with three questions. Journal. So first question I would ask you is, what do you want? What is your desire? Again, as John Eldridge says, uh, and I agree with him, it is not so much that our desires are wrong, but it is that we are too easily satisfied. So a lot of times we think that which we desire is what we really want, but we're too easily satisfied with less than adequate lovers. What do you really want? And I would suggest to you, man, if you can't drill down and really understand that what you're really wanting, what I want is deep intimacy. I want to be known by somebody. I want to share a sunset with somebody that I love and care about on Mobile Bay, looking out uh, to the West. I want to be understood. And there's nothing that pains me worse than to be uh, not known by the one that I love the most. And, and that's another whole story right there. I can tell you stories about that. But my sweet wife, I'd never, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't want to be with anybody more than her, but she can hurt me more than anybody on the planet as well. Ron doesn't know anything about that, but, you know, he, he and I talk a little bit, and sometimes we hover over that topic. Right, Ron? <laughs> you got a fresh one, huh? You got a fresh one. Um, but desire, you've got to work with desire uh, and really understand what it is that we really want because God has placed eternity in our hearts. And in the redemptive story that God's given us is he says, when I give you a new heart, you will desire me. And so, guys, if you're a Jesus follower, I know what you want. You want more Jesus. And you want intimacy. You want to be known. You want to be cared for, loved, to feel safe and secure. But can you access that desire when I ask you that question? Oh, no, you know what, I, boy, I, you know, I just, I, I just hope I can get to the gas station and get gas today because, you know, I'm kind of running on empty. Boy, that's deep. Wow. Wow. Incredible. It must be rough. No, don't live life that superficially. What do you really want? Second question, how are your boundaries, your use of yes and no? How are your boundaries? There's four parts to intimacy that I've shared with you in times past, and, th and this comes out of Pia Melody's book, The Intimacy Factor. The, the summary, the 250 pages of Pia Melody's uh, book on intimacy is um, uh, if you draw a simple square like a football field and you have the four corners, this is the way that I kind of pictured in my head. Uh, Pia Melody says that intimacy is four things, and I agree with her. Spirituality. And of course, we know that to be 
the God of the universe. I call it God. I call it Jesus. She, she calls it spirituality. You know, I know it to be Jesus, the cornerstone of my life. Second piece is self-awareness that I am self-aware. And, you know, my experience with most of us as men um, is we're not very self-aware at all. Um, and there's a part of me that loves that because I make a living off of that. You know, it's pretty cool, you know. Um, third, third piece of the football field, if you think of that rectangle, P of Melody on intimacy is uh, respect for others or others-centered, uh, that you have some degree of empathy. And again, I know a lot of men that don't have any, you know. They got in the wrong line, you know. They got in the narcissism line, and they got a full dose rather than empathy. And then the fourth key, and this is why I'm sharing this with you, the fourth piece in order to have intimacy is boundaries. There is no intimacy without boundaries. You say yes, you say no. The other person gets to say yes, gets to say no. You may not like their no. They may not like your no. But everybody has access to yes and no. And, and, and when you're working with that well, and there's a seamless interplay between people's boundaries and yes and no, that's an intimate relationship. But if you're in a relationship and you can't say no, you have to just say yes, and, and there's no respect for your no, there's no intimacy in that. That's called you got kidnapped. You've been taken hostage is what that is. You know, it's interesting. We've got a got deer camp coming up this weekend. I'm excited. I'm going to be so excited. Uh, my head's going to explode here over the next uh, four days. Um, and um, one of the things, we just had fish camp this past weekend uh, down in Fairhope. Or, or weekend before last. And, you know, every deer camp, every fish camp, kind of has a thread through it. It'll, it'll have a theme, a life of, of, of its own. And one of the themes that came out of fish camp uh, last weekend is, I mean, I think the whole de group, uh, the, the whole group was suffering from codependency. I had the most codependent group that I think I've ever had. And I felt so comfortable because <laughs> I are one. I'm a recovering codependent. And it's like, nobody could set a boundary. It's like, dude, what happened to your no button? And if you lose your no button, you are a codependent. You know, codependents don't do no. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. And then they resent all the yeses. You've got to work with boundaries if you want an intimate life. Third question. What's your plan for growth? What's your plan? What's your plan? written anything down this year? How about a plan for physical growth, emotional growth, relational growth, and spiritual growth? What's your plan? You got it written down? You would never walk into a bank without a business plan uh, looking for money uh, to start that new business, would you? Would you, if, if you did, they'd laugh at you. Well, you know, I, I don't really have anything on paper, but I'm, as my four year, as Abigail used to say when she was four years old, daddy, I'm thinking it in my head. 
I mean, the bank guys will laugh at you. And, and, and I'm suggesting to you, if you don't have a plan written on paper in your journal for your physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual growth, if you don't have it written down, you don't have a plan. You got to drive by. You know, you got to drive by thought. That's all you got. So let's dig into Joshua. Joshua. Turn over to Joshua chapter one. Let's get our marching orders. Again, God always gives us a model, which I love. And of course, our model that we're looking at is uh, Joshua in order to help us understand this idea of manhood. Joshua chapter one, verse six. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give, your, give their ancestors. Now, guys, again, personalize that. That's every day. I mean, we could read this passage every day, and it would be a good thing to read every day. I get up every, every morning, and I read, strength, courage, you're going to lead this day. Every man in here is a leader. There, there are little ones and big ones and old ones that are looking to you, uh, whether you're caring for your elder parents or uh, caring for an employee or a child, uh, an adult child. Every man in here is a leader, and it's going to take strength and courage to carry out those marching orders. Lead this people to inherit the land. And again, this idea of land to us in our study is manhood. When we see land, we're, we're using land as a metaphor for manhood. I want to inherit manhood. I want to be the man. I want to have the land. Take the land, be the man. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll get where you're going. What if, imagination, we always talk about that, what if, what if the reason that you're not further along in your life is you just haven't meditated on God's Word and followed the instruction book? You know, it's kind of like on Christmas morning when you had those little kids and you opened the box. And I mean, who reads the instructions? <laughs> you know? It's like you just start putting it all together and about two hours later, you're frustrated. And it's like, you know, I might need to look at th those instructions. You know, Chris, my daddy always used to say, you know, there's some extra parts in this. I think they got it wrong at the factory. I said, no, no, Papa, I don't think they got it wrong at the factory. Well, might need to read the instructions. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage? Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God is with you every step you take. Now, guys, that last part is not to be overlooked because I don't believe that there's anything in your life or my life that's an accident. There's certainly things in my life that have occurred as consequences to my stupid decisions for sure. 
but I think God even allows my stupid decisions in a way to mold me and make me into the man that he's, that he's made me in. And, and I, and I definitely have seen my brokenness, my failures used more by God than my giftedness and my successes. So there's no accidents. Often that which we believe to be plan A, actually God thinks plan B would work better. And plan B was his plan A all along. Now think about that. Think about that. Plan B was God's plan A all along. Turn over to chapter 24. Joshua goes through his 25 years in, in, the, in the book of Joshua is an account of a, of a 25 year period. I used to think 25 years was a long, long time, but I'm at an age when now it's like 25 years. What happened to that? 25 years. And that's what the book of Joshua is recording 25 years. And at the end of 25 years, Joshua comes to this, um, conclusion in this decision, verse 15, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. I mean, I, I just hear kind of the sarcasm in the, in, in the, in the poke, poke you in the eye by Joshua. You know, you think you can find a better God than God? Knock yourself out. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worship from the country beyond the river. How'd that work out? Or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. And how'd that work out? Not too good. As for me and my family, as for me and my family, on this day and for the rest of our days, we'll worship God. Isn't that cool? We'll worship God. Who do you worship? Just as we watch the videos there, worship anchored into God every day. So this idea of promise, power, leader, Joshua, promise, power, leader. That's where we start. Joshua is our model. Fulfilling the promises of Abraham, we live by promise. God gives the power to fulfill his purpose and we've always got to have a leader. And you know, guys, you're that leader. In your own little circle, you are. And so, as we start, cross over the Jordan, and in a very real sense, I mean, for us, in our circumstances, this is kind of a crossing, is it not? Of God's brought us back together. Um and in a, in a symbolic way, um, we are here. Moses leads Israel up to the land. Joshua leads Israel into the land. He's a leader. Who do you follow? And this idea of following Joshua, who is a type of Jesus, he is Jesus in the redemptive story. If we were watching a movie uh, of Joshua, we would end, and, and obviously Joshua would be the redemptive character in the movie. He would be the Jesus character in the movie. And this whole journey is one of faith. Now, I want you to turn over to 1 John uh, chapter 5. 
And Ben, I'm digging this table right here, dude. This is awesome. This is just about the right height for me. So uh, it's all, all about the table this morning, right? First um, John chapter five. I want you to look at this passage, and and um, as I read this passage, there are men that I love dearly that I'm thinking about uh, that I hope are are here and listening and that I want them to understand this passage. And I certainly want all of us to understand this because of the times that we live in victory of faith. Now listen to this first John chapter five, uh, verse four and five, every born, uh, every God born person conquers the world's ways. Every Jesus follower, every born again person is what he's saying. If we've been born again, we belong to God. We're not of this world. I love being a citizen of the United States of America, but that's not who I am ultimately. Who I am is a citizen of the king, a kingdom citizen, and I've got to remember that. I want to I want to stop right there and I want to read something to you. Um, I, I, I'm reading this with permission and, and, uh, I wish this guy wrote bigger because it would be a lot easier to read, but I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, I asked for permission, uh, to read this, uh, dear guy going through hell right now, uh, certainly in his life, going through the hardest time of his life. It may get harder up ahead. You never know what's up ahead, but at least at this point, there's no doubt. This is the hardest time of his life. And so I asked him to write out his identity. Who are you? Now, when you're going through a hard time, what does the hard time tell you you are? What's that, Joseph? A failure. You're weak. You're full of shame. You don't want anybody to know. So it's really important that when you get out of bed in the morning and you're going through a hard time that you know who you are. It's like that scene in Gladiator, you know, when Commodus comes down out of the stands and he challenges the Gladiator and he says, slave, don't turn your back on me. Who are you? And Gladiator takes his mask off and dude, he lets him have it. And it is a beautiful, beautiful response to the challenge. Listen to this. This is my friend that I love dearly. My identity statement, I am a warrior. I am poised, disciplined, confident, prepared. I'm a beloved son of the most high God. I'm a passionate lover to my wife and an adoring father to my girls. I am unshaken and unbroken. I am a loving and thankful son and brother I am present and understanding to my friends. Integrity is my race. Honesty is my native tongue. I'm an adventurer, a mountain climber. I run to the fire, to the crucible, out of my comfort zone, because that's where life is, and that's where Jesus is. This guy's going through hell. And yet that's what he says he is. Gentlemen, that's what we're called to. 
That's what this passage is talking about. Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. I'm a conqueror in the name of Jesus. Guys, if you watch news, you will die internally, obsessively. Let me just make, let me make that sentence clear. If you watch news obsessively, you will die. If you keep uh, feeding off of the world's ways, whether it be politically, socially, woke culture, pandemic, water in Jackson or not, Whatever it is, if you feed off of that, you're a catfish. You know what a catfish feeds off? The bottom. You have got to feed off something much more nourishing than that and know who you are. And the, and the Bible says that if we try to conquer the world on our own, it'll never work. It's by faith, by faith. I don't know, I don't know how things are going to work. I just know it all works out. It all works out. Um, the land. The land. Wow. The land. Take the land. Be the man. What symbolism? Um, I'm, watching, um, I'm watching Yellowstone right now. Dude, I'm hooked. It took me a little while. I'm hooked, you know? And it's about the land. It's like, it's kind of like the land. It's, it's like the land, you know? It's the land. Protect the land. Save the land. It's the land. It's crazy, you know? And it's like the land is symbolic of manhood. Now, I want you to turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews, a book that details all that God wants us to understand about how he set up his nation. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4. For as long then as that promise of resting in him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We receive the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. You missed out. These promises are available every day, all day, but you have to activate them with faith. If we believe, though, we'll experience the state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. Remember that God said, exasperated, I vowed, they'll never get where they're going, never be able to sit down and rest because they didn't live by faith. It's like you have promises, power, available to you, but you can carry them around in a briefcase all day. And if you never activate them by faith, they're no good to you. It's just something you carry around. I got it, but I'm not activating them. I'm not appropriating them. 
God made that vow, even though he had finished his part before the foundation of the world. Somewhere it's written, God rested the seventh day, having completed his work. But in this other text, he says, they'll never be able to sit down and rest. So this promise has not yet been fulfilled. Those earlier ones never did get to the place of rest because they were disobedient. God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today, today today, every day, every day, one day at a time, just as he did in David's Psalms centuries later than the original invitation. Today, please listen, don't turn a deaf ear. And so this is still a live promise. It wasn't canceled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't keep renewing the appointment for today. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest and at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it. Let's keep at it. Keep chopping wood, as we say in the South. Keep chopping wood and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not drop out through some sort of disobedience. And, the, and then listen to this, verse 12 and 13. God means what he says. What he says goes, his powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. Once again, come back to the instruction book, come back to the word, feed from the word, activate your faith. When God brings the people into the promised land, there's three things that we must have that are that are activated by coming going into the land. He fulfilled the promise, uh, and, and, and part of the promise was three things. I'll give you a safe place, I'll give you an abundant place, and you will defeat your enemies. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that amazing? When, when they crossed into the land, he gave them a safe place. He gave them a land that already had houses, cities already developed, and he was going to clean out uh, the cities with evil people and put his people in there. That's an amazing journey. But he'll, he'll, he, give, he gives us a safe place. He gives us an abundant place. Everything that you need, everything you need. Every, every guy here has more than you deserve, right? Is that not true? Man, thank you, God. And then thirdly, you will have a resource to defeat your enemy. Your addictions, your anxieties, your fears. Life's not going to work exactly the way you want it for you or for me. But that's where we trust God that he knows best. Safety, abundance, victory. Um, guys, just as I've been saying all along here that God gives us um, Joshua as a leader, one of the greatest leaders in um, all of history uh, is Winston Churchill. Would we not agree on that? Um, what I have, what I am holding in my hand, is uh, twelve pages of of the famous speech that Winston Churchill gave um, during the World War II. Um, beginning, uh, the, the famous speech is, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the beaches. You know that line. I want to show you this. This is um, uh, the Darkest Hour movie, Winston Churchill. 
want you to listen to this. I want you to hear your marching orders for today uh, through the reenactment of Winston Churchill's famous speech, We Shall Fight on the Beaches. Watch this. The question of invasion, I would observe that there has never been a period in all these long centuries of which we boast when an absolute guarantee against invasion could have been given to our people. But I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and the best arrangements are made as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary, for years, if necessary, alone. At any rate, that is what we are, are going to try to do. That is the result of His Majesty's government, every man of them. You're right. That is the will of Parliament and the nation. The British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. <laughs> Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have, have fallen or may fall into the, the grip of the Gestapo, and all the odious apparatus of the Nazi rule. We shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end! We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with with growing confidence and growing strength in the air, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! Amen. Let me just read the last sentence of this famous speech. And on, on, on this uh, manuscript, um, the, the last, this is one sentence. I mean, if you were in English grammar class and had to uh, 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 diagram this, you would fail English. This is 10 lines, last sentence. 
We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or large part of it were subjected and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, the U.S., armed and guided by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's time, the new world, with all of its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Wow. Who writes that kind of stuff? Who lives that kind of stuff? Hopefully you and me. Hopefully you and me every day. Guys, we're in a war. Not culturally I'm talking about or not terroristically. Bible says we're in a war from day one with Satan, the spiritual forces. You're being attacked every day. Do you feel that? I do. So you're going to man up? Priorities. Five priorities that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Five priorities. Love God. Love people. That takes care of about everything right there. I mean, we could stop with just those two. Uh, love God. Love people. Make sure that your job, your vocation, the work that you do is done unto the Lord. So everything that we do in our vocation, our job, heart, we're called to hard work. From day one after the fall, uh, God tell, tells us, you're going to be pulling weeds until the day you die. So your work is important. And then fourthly is, is your money. Isn't that interesting? How you handle your money is critical. There's, there are men in this room who are gifted financial planners. They can help you. Uh, but how you handle your money is intended in Scripture to be a priority. And then finally, build the kingdom. What's your ministry? How are you building the kingdom? How are you getting out of your own pain and helping somebody else? That's it. Those are our priorities. And so then let's get a plan. Once again, as we started with desire, what do you really want? Dig down deep. What you really want is what God wants. Because God planted that in your heart. Boundaries, you got to start saying yes to good and no to bad. You'll never grow if you can't do boundaries and differentiate. I sat with a couple last night, um, and they were just fighting. It was so painful to sit there and feel like I'm in, I'm in a referee in a, mud, in a mud fight. And it's just so crazy. And, it, and it's just like, you know, it takes two people to fight. How about somebody just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Wow. Nobody ever thought of that. I guess that's what they were paying me for. You know, I finally figured that out. Journal. You got a journal. Guys, we talk about that all the time. If you're not writing, you're not growing. If you're not putting pen to paper, then you are a general Christian. Uh, You've got to be uh, more specific, more intentional, more deliberate. Everything about our history is, is here because somebody wrote it down. You know, if you ain't writing your life down, you ain't living it. You're generalizing it from my perspective. So, guys, what a man does, he initiates. 
He takes action. Initiate love. Initiate order. Take control of your life and stop worrying about everybody else's life. Guys, it is great to be together. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are so, so grateful that you bring us together to encourage one another, to stimulate one another, to get our marching orders for the day and the rest of our life. Father, may we feed on your word and may it uh, translate into love of those that come in contact with us. And may they, may every person that comes in, that we come in contact with today smell Jesus, that they would smell the aroma of Christ in us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, real quick. Okay. I know everybody's got to go to work. You may be late.